Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. Right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight, my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how are you? I'm doing great. How about that Sunday night game to wow to launch us into this podcast? That'll that'll hype you up. You didn't even need that espresso for this. No, I I did take my two shots of espresso. I am feeling very ready. But you're right. I wouldn't have needed them like I might have on another Sunday night. What a game! <laughs> Just such a fun battle between two quarterbacks playing extremely well. And we'll get into. You know the kind of nitty-gritty details of what that means for each team but that was just really a great way to kind of welcome back a primetime matchup like, you know, last week was a little bit of a letdown in the sense that the cowboys didn't play very well at the end of that game kind of petered out this one back and forth haymakers all the way until the end and i don't know man bill belichick said this week that russell wilson was playing as good or better than any other player in the nfl and watching that game tonight I still think I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes, but I wouldn't be upset if Russell Wilson were the quarterback of my team. He's creeping up to that that S tier, that God tier. I mean, he uh, through three quarters, so three quarters tonight, so seven NFL quarters, NFL football, legit NFL football. He had eight touchdowns and seven incompletions on the season, which just blows my mind. In NFL football, that's like non-conference schedule in, in college football. That was like Geno Smith when people were trying to tank, tank for that. Just that amount. And, and I mean, just he's playing out of his mind. He's playing smart. He's not doing it. He's not having any slip-ups, it seems. And we talked about how do you defend it? Yeah. <laughs> what mean, are you supposed to pay, do? Pay, that's my question. Patriots run man. They run and they, they blitz cover zero or they run the feign cover zero where they run into the hots. But then Russell against cover zero is going for shot plays. So he, he, doesn't, he did throw a couple crossers, but he's hitting those for gashes. So, and then all the other plays you're running man against him, you have to worry about Russell using his legs. And it's, I mean, it was just a terrible matchup for him. And it's, yeah, I mean, Russell was just out of his mind tonight against a, a good Patriots defense, we assume. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a team where I thought their, their defense would carry them. And tonight they got absolutely shredded by a guy playing as well as anybody. On that first drive, I think he had that 21-yard scramble, which lets you know, if you want to play man today, you're going to be screwed, so you better not. And then if you don't, you're out of your comfort zone and we're dictating the game. It just feels like, and you kind of saw that on that cover zero blitz where he hit Lockett on that, f- that final scoring drive that they had. It, he just seems to have an answer for everything right now. I love the structure of all of these passing plays where it seems like they're trying to go touchdown to that locket crosser is like a little bit of an outlet and there's just no answer because he's going to beat you across the field and Russell's been able to kind of buy enough time on those plays when the pass protection hasn't held up. Everything you try to do, it always seems like you're playing catch up to him right now. And when you combine that, which is the down the field dimes and everything else it is really fun to see all of this come together and to see them let him play like this 
Yeah, and uh, DK Metcalf, as we're seeing, Ooh, is just baby. such a great. It's, it's such a great pairing because Russell's going to let. I mean, it really is, and it just. I mean, throwing Russell's throwing as dropping in the bucket. Even Collinsworth said that said that tonight is he's dropping these throws in the bucket, but also he's letting his guys go make plays. And then DK Metcalf's like, okay, I can do both of those things. And like you were saying, that the touchdown to crosser kind of thing, touchdown to checkdown kind of thing. Those checkdowns are becoming guys on the move. Exactly. So all these kind they're of big plays, quasi- even if they're checkdowns. Yes, yes, it's these ad lib plays that so Russell extends the pocket just that extra second. The guy's already mo- moving. It's not like he's on a stop route and has to oh figure out the scramble drill he's already moving on the crosser so he's just running away and russell finds the angle and it's it's okay do you want russell to run for eight yards on you or do you want to get the crosser for 14 yards on you and that's dangerous and they're doing it every pass play now as opposed to maybe three times a game it it reminds me of ironically stuff the patriots have done over the years where you look at a prospect and don't tell me what he can't do tell me what he can do for us and I was a Metcalf doubter coming in just because you know me you know the types of receivers that I like I like guys that are much more open field guys, create separation, change of direction players. Like I'm a Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs person, and Metcalf just doesn't fit that. And so I had my doubts about him, and they're not asking him to be that. You know, the change of direction, the stuff that he's doing, he's doing it at full speed like he did on that touchdown. And just the physicality that he's playing with, you saw that on display against Gilmore today, who is not a small man. It's like six foot one, 200 pounds. He's one of the bigger corners in the league. And Metcalf is just pushing him around. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. I, I He is playing with such physicality and he fits this offense so well. Watching it all come together has just been really cool. Yeah, and the Patriots are going to try and beat you up. They're going to hand fight with you every play. Yep. And DK's like, okay. Like, you know, you're all right. You want to come into these haymakers? Like, it, it was, it played into him. Like, and, but the thing was, they missed or he wins that initial fight, like the big play, the touchdown. He wins the initial fight. He wins the fight the entire way down with his hands. And then it's just, he just pulls away from guys because he's just so big and fast. It's, yeah, again, how do you cover this? How are you going to match up with this? If the Pats are going to do it, how Who does he remind you of? Man. Like a worse route running TO. <laughs> TO is a TO is a really good one. The other one I had was Andre Johnson. Just okay. like big yeah, straight yeah. line speed. Yeah, Andre could run routes. Andre yeah, was it's a, a little bit X. different. Yeah, Andre, like that, that's the difference is that Andre still had that. Andre had was in that like kind of Julio group where just because they're physical phenoms doesn't mean they don't have the finer points of the position down. I would say a little yeah. less refined TO is also a good one. But just in that group, those big, strong yep. Just and he's a better player than I ever thought he was going to be, and we're still really early. Yeah, and they and they're easing him into it. You said they bring a great point where they they play to these players' strengths. What can they do? What not? What they can't do? And originally, it was just he was playing on the one side all the play, every play, just the same side, just like he did at Ole Miss. And now they're easing him to a full route tree. You know, maybe not the whole routes, but the maybe the tree is actually growing on the other side of the formation. Now. It's getting branches and, slowly. Yes, it's it's spawning just a little bit. It's growing, you know, this forest of DK Metcalf routes. So that's kind of exciting to see, too. And yeah, it's I mean, they're just so much fun to watch. And I mean, we're not having even talked about Adams. You know, that's that's we haven't even gotten to the defense that played tonight. He played fantastic. I mean, he, I mean the I, I would I'm going to be curious to go back and watch some of the plays and coverage. It seems like he was a little bit slow getting Edelman in a couple of those plays. That's not the best part of his game. He's more of a wrecker yeah. than he is somebody playing back there. But on the wrecking side, he did plenty. 
I mean, really getting, he's their best pass rusher right now, kind of by a lot. And that's a concern. So that's, when I'm watching that game, the only thing that's in the back of my mind as I'm thinking about the Seahawks ceiling is they gave Cam all day. He had so much time to throw the ball when they weren't sending extra bodies. And even on some of the plays where they were sending extra bodies, he still had a lot of time to throw the ball. So it's easy to get excited about that Seahawks team after they win a game like that where it's like, man, how far can this team go? But that is definitely my one takeaway from that game being like they need to get better in this area before they truly kind of distance themselves from other teams in the NFC. Yeah, and they were using Adam almost like an old school monster back where he I, I truly think on third downs, on these passing downs, he was just a QB spy that could yeah. green dock, which is which is a late ad. If if he sees Cam dropping back, he could add on these blitzes because he was hitting different gaps each time with this. And one time they hit Edelman on the big play, you said, Okay, they struggled down the field a little bit with it. They motioned Edelman across. Adams was doing his monster back thing. He was coming down to slot, and all of a sudden they had to signal real quick. And he's like, "Oh shoot! Oh shoot! Oh shoot!" And Edelman beats across, beats him across his face. That's when he landed on his head at the like at the one yard line. And I just noticed that too. And it's like I think they're truly just letting him roam on some of these plays because there was another one. He had a TFL that it was like, "Why are you? Why are you over there? Why are you in the flat over there?" So I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm I'm truly I want to watch this because I'm thinking they're truly making him a monster back on some of these plays where it's like, "Hey, Adams, just." Go be you. Go go make plays. And they're going to get burned a couple times on these. And I, I, this is just a theory because this is pretty crazy. Like, But they truly were having him green dog went and be a spy on Cam. And as soon as Cam dropped back, they said go. And he was hitting different gaps. Russell Wilson was incredible tonight. But I'll tell you what, man. Cam Newton was going step for step <laughs> with so him. Cam, so so Cam led all quarterbacks in EPA today. It was over 20 EPA total, 21.63. <laughs> and most of that came as a passer. You know, he's going to do some work as a runner. They used him in the red zone. Obviously, that last play didn't work, but it's a play call I completely agree with. He was phenomenal throwing the ball tonight. I mean, just putting it everywhere that he wanted to. The only two throws that I think I would probably ding him on that he would want back are the interception to to Dunbar and then he had another one it was pretty much the exact same play that little out speed out to Demir Bird that almost got intercepted by Dunbar you take those away he was pretty much on point the entire night and these were not gimme throws he's just placing the ball down the field I watched that game from Cam Newton tonight and I have so many questions and I, I this is not revisionist history for me This is something I was saying when the Patriots first signed him when other teams didn't. I need some real reasons as to why your team did not sign Cam Newton for, what, a couple million bucks of guaranteed money if you didn't have an answer at quarterback? Because there is no reason. Like the Bears, for example. I'm not trying. This isn't a like shit on the Bears segment, but they were one of the teams that absolutely could have and needed a guy like Cam Newton and could have used him because they wanted competition at quarterback. The whole argument of, well, he didn't know the system. He got to the Patriots on the 4th of July. He was the starting quarterback by Labor Day. They completely remade the offense for him in like a month. There is no, that is not, that does not hold water whatsoever. You cannot make that argument. It, It is just insane to me that so many teams that don't have an answer could have just brought this guy into the building and they were like, you know what? We're good. The Patriots scoop him up for nothing, create an entire offense around him with limited skill position players, and the guy is going punch for punch with arguably the best quarterback in the league on Sunday Night Football for the entire world to watch. It is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, and not even this week that he's so comfortable in the offense. Last week, he was making 
he was signaling. He yes. was like signaling plays against pressures in the week one. And it was like a comfort thing too. It wasn't like he was like, oh, sh- uh, what am I supposed to do here? He stopped the motion. This is week one against Miami. He stopped the motion and signaled the route and it falling incomplete. But it was one of those things where I was like, holy crap, he's comfortable in this. And you saw him in the two minute drills. There was no like, uh, uh, like he was trying to figure something out. He was comfortably signaling plays. It, I, 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 there's no excuse. I mean, other than people were scared of the medical, but who, who gives a crap? They it's gave him million. 550 grand in guarantees. Who cares? Yeah. If who his cares? body doesn't work, you release him during training yeah. camp. It's, it's no it, harm, no foul. It's, it's nothing but upside. And that's what just, just is, it's astounding. It really is. How, how about two? This just cracked me up tonight, too. The Patriots on a third and nine ran a power read. And no one batted an eye. They didn't even talk about it. Colin, like in the middle of a game, normal, like it wasn't like they were trying to kill time. It was a true third and nine, I think tie ball game or something. They ran a power read. Collinsworth and Michaels didn't say anything. They acted like it was just like a screen pass or something. And it was just like, no one batted an eye. And like Belichick has turned this team into the Navy midshipman. And it's just one of those things. He's He has his dream now. He's running a single wing offense inside the five yard line. He's running power read on third down. Like this is this is what he wants. But so that's last week we saw the novelty of it, right? And it was yeah. all the runs and he was really keeping the ball in his hands a lot. And I think that it was a legitimate question to ask, okay, when that kind of wears off, when you need a big play down the field, can this team get one? And they can. It's with Julian Edelman, but they can. And that is such a testament to how he is throwing the ball right now that you just have no concerns about their ability to create big plays in that game. By the third quarter or so, you're just expecting it when he's going back and they're running play action and they're trying to get some shots. It's I was so, so impressed by how he played today. It's the best game I've seen him play in years. I mean, legitimately years. I, I, I mean, did he play a game in 2018 that was this good? Because even though his no. completion percentage and everything else, you know, those numbers looked better. Like the aesthetics and the box score was better than he had been in a, in a couple of years. That was not a down the field push the ball offense. It was a lot of quick passes, a lot of short stuff. I cannot remember him throwing the ball like this. You know, since he was really one of the better players in the entire league, it, it blew me away how good he was tonight. I agree. There's the stuff, even just the accuracy was just yeah, the, yeah, this is the most the accurate. I've, mo, that's the most accurate I've ever seen him. You're moving you know, on the move. And even when he does his like, like I'm cocking back and like leaning into this throw, like those balls were coming out accurate. He wasn't sailing anything. So that that's a testament to what they're working on with him. They're making him comfortable where he's not guessing where he has to throw these balls because he's comfortable progressing. It's fun. I'm, I'm excited to keep watching this team. I mean, it's th- today. I mean, I know they lost this game. But it really kind of recalibrated my expectations for them. After week one, you think, oh, they could be kind of interesting. You know, I felt I thought it was notable that I, th- I think it was Pat Thorman in Establish the Run who does a great job with the pace numbers they have. Under Brady, New England was up near the top of the league in the top five or so in situation neutral pace pretty much every single year. Against Miami, they were dead last. And they clearly <laughs> were trying to bleed out the game. And I thought, okay, that's what this team is going to be this year. You know, they're going to play slow. They're going to try to win games 20 to 10. That's just the style they want. And I don't know how far that gets you. And the fact that they can stick in this game with Russell Wilson playing the way that he did. I don't know, man. I mean, they suddenly get real intriguing in the AFC, the wild card picture, and even in the division, if Cam is going to play like that. And that's why you sign him. Because because <laughs> this is what it brings. Because it, even if even if the possibility of this 
is 3%, whatever it is, even if it is remote, the fact that it exists is why it's worth it. It's why you bring them in the building and you just see what happens. It, even if you don't think or believe that he is MVP Cam Newton anymore or you're concerned about the medical or whatever, the best possible version, the best case scenario is this. And even if that is a far off remote possibility, it is still worth whatever it would take to see if it could happen. It is. It's it's and uh, it's it's a dice throw and that's I I'm just gonna just say agree with you I mean I hate like just always doing that but it's it's it just blows your mind it's it's it was a lottery ticket worth buying and they and they yes. bought it and they're they they're reaping what they sowed which in a good way they they get the rewards for no balls new blue chips they they laid it out there and they get rewarded for it so let's go to another quarterback who you know played pretty damn well today and I I have a lot to say about this game and it's there's it's easy to do ha ha Falcons for what happened today. And and there's some of that. But I also think that we should give a lot of credit to the Cowboys for one, never giving up on that game. And Dak continued to play excellent the entire way through. Another kind of subtle thing with that, the Cowboys went for two when they didn't have to in the fourth quarter. They didn't get it and they were down nine. Guess what happened when that happened? They knew that they needed to score twice. So they played with an urgency that they wouldn't have if they had gotten down and not gotten the two-point conversion at the end of the game. So it gave them a chance to kick the onside kick, get it, and then go down and win the game. It, it's, it was not pretty. The fact that they really could have let that one slip away. And it's not like they played poorly in the first quarter in terms of like not being able to move the ball. It's not like Dak was you know throwing picks or throwing the ball at people's feet or whatever. They had three turnovers. If you count the fake punt that did not work and they did not let the game get out of reach. And I legitimately think that is a season changing win. I mean, they are now one and one. The rest of the teams in their division are zero and two. They absolutely could be in the driver's seat here a couple weeks in and they should have lost that game. So t- I am much more impressed with the Cowboys at the end of that game than I am you know, going to point and laugh at the Falcons. That And it easily could have turned so south. How you said it, it, it might have been, it's a, season-defining win this early. They lose this week. They have that kind of stars, all-star team vibe this year. That that stuff, that shit can turn south really quickly. If you, if got you that, lose that those game 42 to 10? Yes. And all of a sudden, the finger point starts happening. You got a lot of new faces in there that aren't used to the vibes of each other. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait, like, you know, I'm getting mine. Where are you, what are you doing? And so now they avoid even getting to that situation. So it, I, I agree with you. The fact, I mean, the Cowboys were awesome tonight. I, I mean, the onside kick was incredible, as we all saw. I mean, CeeDee Lamb was, I, I mean, he was my receiver, my favorite receiver coming in this draft. I, I love CD. I think he, I think he's going to be a great player. And he looked awesome tonight. He had a great route in the two-minute drill that set up the, the field goal. And, I mean, all the receivers played pretty well. They didn't have the usual – Everybody uh, had a huge play. Every single one of them had a huge play. And that's why you get excited about this team. That's why I think that we too often pump up skill position groups and, you know, get a little bit overzealous with guys that have good pass catching cores and everything else. And we forget about the other elements of what makes good offense. And I do think the offensive line is a problem right now, but they will get healthier and you can lean on your skill position players. Cooper made that huge play down the field with that fingertip grab on that first down play action throw. Yes. And Lamb made several big plays in that game. Also, Dalton Schultz. Isn't that his name? Dalton Schultz had nine yes. catches. 
Yeah, it's amazing nice, what like, Blake Jarwin would be doing in this game. It, I yeah. thought, and I really do. The fact that Dak just kind of came back and kept moving, kept moving forward. I know it's like another you know twenty eight to three, ha ha Falcons thing, but I, I just really do think you have to give a ton of credit for how the Cowboys handled that the entire game. Yes, and also just you know they they're beat up on defense too. I mean, just beat up overall. Yeah. and like what you were saying, they're one on one. The rest of the division's on too. Okay, hopefully they can get a little bit healthier, and that's going to help them revamp a little bit as well. And you mentioned the O line as well; they they they're hopefully going to get healthier um, in a couple of weeks in these next couple of weeks. They got better as this game went on. They the really did. did. First quarter was ugly. I mean, ugly, ugly. Second quarter as well. I, I might uh, I, I got to see if exactly what happened there. But in the second half, they adjusted, and that's a really good sign to see too. Is that rather than as you said, also it wasn't that forty two ten game where it's just like. They just kept, you know, beating their heads against the wall. Let's keep running the same stuff we're running. They at least did some stuff. Something happened with the O line and with what they're doing because the Falcons were blitzing. They brought some like safety pressures. I mean, they brought some stuff and they got them. They got they were getting some heat on them. But then by the second half, it was just you know it looked like a seven on seven game, and that it's something. And I mean, speaking of seven on seven game, Calvin Ridley Ridley had a great game as well on the other he side. Was awesome, <laughs> phenomenal. He had a blaze out route that was so he pretty. Had two. And, he had that. The, yeah, okay. He had another one for the touchdown that was on the right yeah, side of the, the touchdown. field. It yeah. was, and the second touchdown he had was the same kind of thing. He had he broke inside a little bit and then he left them going back to the corner. And he is just so good at creating space in that area of the yes. field. It helps that Julio creates so much space for him. Yep. But he's a perfect second banana to Julio because he's yeah. so good when he's given that space to work and he's given so many one-on-one matchups in the red zone because teams systematically take Julio away. Yes, and what number two corner is going to be able to keep up with him? That's I mean, exactly like, right. It, 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 yeah, I mean, who who can keep up with that? And then also he can move around a little bit. It's like, and he's got the full route tree. So how many number? okay, maybe play a team that does have a decent number two, then you can start switching styles and they can start gaming up. Okay, maybe we put the, the smaller corner, we get the smaller corner on Julio. Okay, that's a great matchup as well. It, it's, yeah, they used him so well today. Hayden Hurst had a nice game as well for their offense, but it, I mean... I know I don't want to just say lol Falcons, but I mean the the onside kick was brutal. I mean it was it was the new styles of these onside kicks with like Youngway Koo has had a few these last couple of years with the new rules of onside kick uh, or just kickoffs, and it's kind of cool just seeing these how these kickers are going to solve this problem, you know, and just figure out how they're going to go about not using a T or they or they're just going to have these new methods, just like O line or quarterbacks and everything tricks of the trade in the offseason that's what the kickers do so we're gonna start seeing some in the offseason yes they have like four hours a day to work on this shit what the <laughs> hell else are they gonna be doing <laughs> oh did you see justin tucker catch a ball he was so proud he like did a perfect drop afterwards he was so proud of himself just catching it he just went right to like a nice little qv drop like he was ready for that the other storyline that i think we should hit before we move on to some other categories here uh, just a crazy amount of injuries today I'm just, and I, I want to look at the numbers because I think every once in a while we get caught up in just, oh man, everybody's getting hurt. And that's sometimes when it's big names, you know, Nick Bosa getting hurt, Saquon Barkley getting hurt, Garoppolo left the game today. So when the guys are you know premier players, when you have big name guys, I think it becomes a little bit more visible some of the injuries that are happening. But even if you take out, and then a couple other guys today, Byron Jones got hurt, I mean, Raheem Mostert got hurt. It's, there was a lot of injuries. And also, even beyond the people that had to leave the games, 
with big time injuries. There are so many players that came into these games or even coming into the season that had soft tissue stuff. Mike Evans almost didn't play in week one. Julio is clearly hobbled. Amari Cooper's had a hamstring issue. Devontae Adams left the game today with a hamstring issue. So it just seems like guys are, it's kind of iffy right now in terms of how ready guys were to play. Are you surprised by this at all? I mean, I, you, as somebody who actually had to get ready for a season and watch guys get ready for a season, is the ramp up that big of a deal? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was definitely doing more watching than actually having to worry sure. about it. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, with these, I that's what really camp is, is you're acclimating your body and your legs to that workload. I mean, that's really the benefit of training camp. But some of these teams were doing just such limited hitting. I mean, the ACLs is kind of like, you, you can't really ever account for ACLs. I don't know if body acclimation could ever help with that kind of stuff. But I am definitely sure this wear and tear and then people starting to compensate for that. Maybe they're not so used to it, and but they're already in the grind of the season as opposed to week two in camp when they maybe could take two practices off. Uh, now they're, no, I got to get ready for Sunday. So now you rush back and that stuff all accumulates over, over time. So I think that's kind of just what maybe that's my theory of it is. It's just bodies just aren't acclimated. But, you know, but you get the freak injuries here still and maybe it's just a, a random domino falling and that's just how this how this multiverse broke uh, this week you know this season is just these injuries are happening to these stars players so of course we're going to notice it more when it happens to star players but i mean it happened to a lot of players this week so obviously something is up the 49ers lost it seemed like a dozen guys and it didn't matter they still destroyed the jets the jets are very very bad i don't know if we need to say that to anybody but that's embarrassing to get just that pants beat off you by a team who loses their starting quarterback, came into the game hobbled, and then lost multiple players during the game. At this point, it's kind of embarrassing the effort they're putting forward every single week. I mean, we we, we were talking about before the show, the first play of the game on defense. It's all they looked like they see. just didn't want to be there. It was. That it looked like they didn't want to be there. It looked like, I don't know, it looked like a training camp practice when everyone's just tired and they just got gashed all the way down. It, it's like... And that's the first play. That's how you're setting the tone against a good team. It's like if you're not going to come out and play at home, and I get you know crowd situation, but against the you know reigning NFC champions, like what are you going to get up for? Like yeah, what's going to get you going? Who cares if there's no crowd? You got to sleep in your bed. They're flying yeah. in from San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco. It's still an yeah. advantage. And staying in Jersey, probably. You know, it's like so one of those things where it's. What are you going to get up for then? Like if that you're not going to get up for that game, then what happens? And so it, that's just like you said, it's just embarrassing. It's it's they just came out and it just like listless. Beckton the left tackle looked great. Okay, so there's one positive. They you know he, that, that's it. He looks that's like, it. It was the same thing it. last week. That's where we're, that's where we're going. Best player on the Jets right now is their left the left tackle rookie. You know, love you Sam Darnold, but you know it's it's pretty rough right now. We joke about that, but at the same time, I think we coming into the season, Barnwell and I talked about it during the preview. At this point, it is a, like it's not all about this, but it is a lot about the Douglas guys playing well and them starting to build a little nucleus with the players he's drafting and the team that he's shaping for what it's going to look like when Adam Gase is gone. And at this point, it seems like that's going to be sooner rather than later. If you're the Johnsons here, how much longer can you really look yourself in the mirror and say that this is the best possible situation for your football team? It. I mean, you get, it's what, what what upside is there right now? That's it that's kind of what I'm saying. Move on. It, yeah, it's, just ma- move on. I mean, maybe there. You say that like the this 
his hand and the, him being in charge of everything is better for some of your younger offensive players. But I don't even understand how that's the case. They look terrible. It, it just yeah. feels like they're not going anywhere. And, and this is just a detriment to the growth of whatever players you want to be part of your team moving forward. And it's and you think Adam Gase is going to be in there going like, yeah, you know, hey guys, we're we're just going through a rebuild right now. He wants to win ten games. He thinks he's one player away from winning it all. <laughs> you know, what I mean, that's probably his mindset. So it's it's one of those where it's like, all right, we're not we're not clicking right now. Let's just let's just hit the reset button before it gets too ugly because that it was really bad today. Before we move on, I want to tell you guys about a special offer for our listeners. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, men just brush it off or blame themselves, saying things like, "I lost my mojo." Or they avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Maze, that's M-A-Y-S, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Maze today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Maze. GetRoman.com slash M-A-Y-S. All right, let's get to who won the week. Who won the week for you? For me, it's Sean McVay. Uh, oh, man. It, yeah. Sean McVay I, is I, back. He's back. Uh, you know, I don't think he ever left. I think just the injuries happened. <laughs> I mean, it. he looked – I mean, that, that team looked great today. They. I mean, both sides of the ball were firing. But especially on offense, like I, I, my first note was, oh, McVay's feeling it again. Because Goff started out 12 for 12. 13 Every for 13, down. baby. 13, 13 for 13 for 158. And that's what it looked. It was everything was just clicking. Goff's head was going right to the media, immediately to the open Kai. Every like, I think they started four for four on third down, and like a couple of them were to cup, and like they had no one that could cover cup. And so it's that shows that McVeigh's feeling it not only on these base downs and play calling, then he's feeling it on third down. He's designing these things that are getting these guys wide open. The first touchdown was great out of bunch. They ran just like nice little like quasi pick route they were like switch released them that was really sweet to to the tight end uh higby and Higby's another weapon for him now now they have a tight end weapon i mean they're hitting them in different ways too it's not just his t- uh, the typical play action screen stuff they they're running sprint outs on third down these isolation routes running for for cup i mean it, it just it was awesome he was clicking he was he was unconscious as a play caller henderson had a nice game too acres went down early but then Henderson gives them a nice little burst back there from the backfield. And when they're blocking as well as they were blocking today, those gashes as opposed to the six, seven yards that Malcolm Brown was getting, Henderson was hitting them for a little bit further. And, you know, another thing is I, I actually wanted to talk about this, too. We were talking about, uh, you know, getting acclimated during camp with these injuries. And maybe that is one of the advantages the, the Rams have and while they're able to look so good so early on right now. During camp, they uh previous years uh, under McVay they the starters would never play in the preseason games they would sit out the the vets would sit out a lot of practices maybe they're used to this limited practice schedule and short installs installs for the starters that get their backups a lot of reps and maybe they're just they were more prepped for maybe this kind of scheduling with uh with covid and that's just maybe a theory is why they look so good early on and i also yeah, think that their great. offense forces a lot of defensive communication 
the amount of misdirection yes. and everything else, I think, and with the continuity they have, they're able to play so fast, and they, they do play fast. I mean, their pace is ridiculous every single year. So the speed at which they're playing and the continuity they bring, I know there's a couple moving new pieces, but for the most part, you have Goff, you have Cup, you have Woods. You know, the offensive line, most of them were there last year, even if they were a little bit dinged up. So I think that's a huge help. And it really is just so many of the things you come to expect from them. I love what they do in the red zone. I mean, just the way they can attack you horizontally, the way they use space is so cool. I mean, the little end around touchdown to Woods is like a perfect little compliment, perfect little kind of you know counter punch to some of the other stuff they do down and there. And they called it the five yard line, which is yeah. like not a where you usually see an end around. You might see a jet sweep, but that was a true end around out of bunch. And yeah, I mean, the fact they called it the five yard line is so cool. They really, and he, that is such a, just an indication that he is feeling himself. They had a play to cup. I wanted to ask you about this. Remember that, that the completion they had to cup that kind of looked like a middle screen, but it wasn't a screen on that boot. How would you characterize that? It was early in the game. I think it was in the first quarter. They had a play action to the, the run to the right golf boots left and it's that little release that the tight end had is into the flat but instead of going to the tight end he dumped it back to cup in the middle how would you what would you call that uh, the shanahan offenses love that on their nakeds where they call it like a slam flat or a slam delay but since mcveigh usually it's a tight end doing that but since with mcveigh they're in so much 11 they have cup and woods sometimes acting as a de facto tight end that's what it was it was this delay so you have the typical flat control whatever they had on that time so Cup is pinning that, pinning down, pinning down, and then he has the last leak out route. Not not why leak. As oh, we and we'll know get it. to this the leak just, in a second. Yeah, yeah, but just a little leak out route. Like a, I think they just called a slam delay or a slam leak or something like that. So Cup was acting almost like as a, as a tight end there. It's like and a little safety re- valve, but it was like it was yes. perfectly done. Yeah. yeah, and you know who used to hit it all the time was Matt Ryan to um, Jacob Tammy when they were at the Falcons. That used to be the kind of like Tammy special on these late little leak routes. So he would just throw it right behind him, and it would go for like eight, nine, ten yards. And that's when I, 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 Goff was just feeling it too. He didn't waste his time going to the flat. He just looked at it to the flat and then found Cup right away in a little crowded space. So that was pretty impressive to me. They had a leak touchdown to Tyler Higby, which they love those leak routes to receivers usually in the way that McVeigh runs them. Multiple leak route touchdowns today. Uh, Hayden Hurst had a really long one in the Falcon game. The Chiefs tried one late to Travis Kelsey and didn't get it because there was pressure. I think it's the first time ever a leak play hasn't gone for a 40-plus yard touchdown. But that was cool to see. My one question for you, and I think that the third down point is a good one, and they really went to cup early. They had a really – Goff had a really nice one, I think their first or second drive, where he waited for a second window to kind of come open for cup coming across the middle that was nice. And he relies on him so much – in those clear dropback situations, when they're in the gun, their offense changes so much. That's not where they want to be. So if you were trying to kind of construct quick game and dropback game plans for Goff, outside of just saying, Cooper, we know you can get open in the short area, what would you try to do to kind of play to his strengths? He does a great job of attacking those over routes in the seam mm-hmm. area. And I would really, you know, what he really excelled at at Cal was four verts and hitting seam benders. I would kind of focus on that kind of stuff. And also what all those nakeds are, are built like a wide cross play that's so popular in the air raid offense or just really offense as a general because it's a great play. What that typically is, is a go route by the X receiver, an over route of some sort, and then usually a dig, a post or a comeback by the Z on the back side, and with a little flat controller by a tight end or a running back. And that's really what a naked will break down to with an over route. You got a little flat and you got to go that runs them off. 
I would kind of run maybe a little wide cross because that's the same read for him. It's just he's not moving on it. So those types of plays would be ones that I think he'd be super comfortable in and, and where he can still attack the middle. And when they really do drop back stuff, it is all just to isolate one guy because McVay is really comfortable sometimes. And sometimes they just throw screens, little receiver screens, and just, hey, hopefully someone makes a play. Um, but that's what I think that they would try to do or what I would try to do with him is really let him attack the middle of the field where he's really comfortable and that where he doesn't end up late on some of those outside throws, although he was throwing outside really well today. He was. I thought he looked good today. I'm not saying that you know, yeah. he looks poor in those situations. I just think it's something to keep in the back of your mind when you're thinking about this team. When they can dictate and when they're, they're in front of the chains and they can play from under center, he just looks like a different quarterback. He's so in rhythm and he's so comfortable. When you make him play quarterback, back and you don't have the fakes he does look like a different guy I think it was a better version of that guy today than we've seen in the past but I do think that that distinction is there still when you kind of watch them in those kind of diversion situations my guy today Josh Allen man I mean <laughs> I, what is that what else is there to say I he was just really good today I know that the Dolphins lost Byron Jones you know, early in that game, which I think really did come back to get them. Igbenogamy is his name, right? I think so. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so I Igben- that right. Close Igben- enough. <laughs> Igbenogamy had to come in and uh, cover digs, which did not go well for them. But at the same time, Xavier Howard's still real good corner. And John Brown like ate his lunch a couple times. I it, When I was thinking about what the Bills offense could possibly look like, you know, with all the players that they have and if Josh Allen had taken a step forward, some of the throws today are what I had in mind. The one that he hit to Diggs, the kind of the shot, the whole throw down the right sideline yep. off play action, that's exactly yep. the type of throw I was thinking of. He also had a crosser to Diggs on play action near their own goal line that was a well-placed throw coming across. Matt Bowen from ESPN tweeted out the end zone view of it because he gets the all 22 early, I guess. And it was, <laughs> it was beautiful. I mean, and those are just the types of throws with the placement is just fantastic. He had a deep shot to Cole Beasley that was really nice. He had a deep shot to John Brown that was really nice. I, I mean, there's really no caveats to the game that he played today. I mean, he had the third best passing DVOA in the league today I was after Cam Newton and uh, Ryan Tannehill. There was nothing fluky about the production, and I think that that's scary. When you consider the rest of the talent they have on that team and how good their defense is probably going to be, if he's just playing like this and he's capable of playing like this, I don't know what, what, how far can they go. I mean, all the way if he's playing out yes. of his mind like this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're legitimately also, a contender if he can play like this. Absolutely. Oh yes, yes. We're going with. I mean, how they played last year on defense. We know they're almost a proven product on defense. Yes, they gave up twenty eight points to the Dolphins today, but that happens. It's the NFL. That we know they're good on defense. What we always the question mark was is could Josh Allen get out of his own way? Not only did he get out of his own way, he excelled today. And those throws, like you were bringing them up, all of them weren't like, oh, the receiver made some hell of a play. They were on the money. Like yes. they were throwing. He threw. He finally was fixing his deep balls. It was finally like he had touch on them, and they were going where they were supposed to go, as opposed to crossing your fingers on them. And yeah, even looking at this, like if you just look at the box score too, he only had four rushing attempts. That shows yeah. improvement. He's playing. Quarterback. That shows that he's yes, he's playing quarterback. He's not an athlete back there. He's a quarterback playing back. That's an athlete. And I mean, that's just a great sign. And just how he spread it out was great. I mean, 
he had 13 targets to Diggs and six to Brown, six to Beasley. That's kind of how it's going to break out. And that's great that he's spreading it around. It's not like he's like, oh, I only could go to one guy. He's actually reading stuff. And that's that. those are all just great signs uh, to see out of him, especially this early on, week two. To be this efficient, and he had it was 10.89 air yards per attempt today. I mean, there, and I, I tweeted this. I mean, he he's calibrating that fucking missile launcher that he has attached yeah. to his right arm. That's what and it is. That is terrifying. And so that last year, he made strides as an intermediate passer, but the deep stuff was still, it was awful. I mean, he was maybe the worst deep passer in the NFL last year. When you're watching him and cut some of those throws to digs, the ones we're talking about, the on target ones, is there anything that you've seen mechanically that just looks different for him right now? I think the mechanical improvements has been his more of a mental uh, improvement in that it's calmed down and slowed down for him. Mm-hmm. So now he's not ending up late on these throws. He's ending up anticipating or throwing them on time. And that means he doesn't have to kill these throws and throw it as hard as he can or throw it late and go, Oh my God, I got I got to kill this in there. And, and really, and that, that leads to the inaccuracy because then he'll overstride his, his arm will sink down now that he's comfortable and he's in rhythm. Like we were talking earlier with cam, in the pocket and rhythm there, these big guys are allowed to throw and actually use their proper mechanics as opposed to getting all disjointed. And I think that's what he's able to do now is that slowing down for him mentally. He's learning that sometimes he doesn't have to be Superman, even though last week he has a couple of those moments, maybe he, that reset him a little bit, you know, that coming in this week, maybe that they got on him again and just said, Hey, remember this is what we're talking about, all those turnovers. And I think he's just becoming comfortable and more calm with it. it, it it's exciting to see. It's, it's cool to see a guy, Let's see the game, maybe, maybe, maybe him taking a leap and seeing the game slow down for him mentally, and that allows him to excel physically. So last year, I I went out to Buffalo and I talked to Josh Allen. He was playing well at that time. I mean, it's obviously it was an uneven end to the season, but I went out there and talked to him just about how you essentially improve as a quarterback. I mean, it was it seemed like it was a simple idea, but it was a complex answer. And he said something to me that I thought was really interesting. He was talking about how he hasn't played as much quarterback as a lot of these guys have. He played a bunch of different sports. You know, he played at a small high school. He wasn't a great prospect. So it's not as if he was this full-time quarterback camp. You know, I'm getting trained by guys from the time I'm 12 years old. He started playing a lot of golf. And he was comparing his growth as a passer to his growth as a golfer. And what he said to me was, always in my mind when I was growing up playing quarterback, I thought, throw it hard, throw it hard, throw it hard. It's the same thing with golf. Swing as hard as you can. Now it's how can I hit my five iron and get it to draw from right to left? It's just an easier swing. And that's how I feel like I'm throwing the ball now, which I think is really interesting because when you're playing golf, you don't think about distance first. You think about how can I get my swing down and the distance comes. And I think that's what we're seeing is that he kind of got some of the things down. It's almost like or like shooting a basketball where your range goes out and out and out. If you get the mechanics down on easier throws, on shorter throws, and then you can kind of extend it, I feel like that maybe it's an oversimplification, but that's kind of what it seems like is happening right now. Yeah, and that's that's just going with. I mean, that's every all these off seasons we t- always talk about basketball players in the summer. They some of these stars pick up a new little yep. trick. Football players are the same exact way. You might see more with receivers because or DBs because you know you could see them out in space a little bit. But some of this stuff is subtle, some of these improvements. And like you said, it might be a more of a mental aspect with the golf. And and that became that allows for that mechanical improvement. So it's 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 one of those things that also as time goes on, and I want to see maybe the defenses adjust off what they're doing right now, but the Bills offense is playing pretty well overall and not just Josh. 
And I think that their game plan was perfect. You know, they, a lot of play yep. action, a lot of man beaters. They knew the Dolphins were going to play man because that's what they do. It, it, they're putting him in, in positions to succeed. And that was kind of my thought about the Bills coming into the season is that everything else was in place. I think Dable's super underrated. I think the guy should be a head coach. I, I mean, he's... I, I've been impressed with him even last year when their offense wasn't necessarily humming because of Allen, but I liked the pieces and I liked how he was using them. Now you drop Diggs into that equation. You have a really complementary, diverse skill sets on the, in the receiving core, a decent line, a good play caller, and now you got good quarterback play. You got all that stuff, now you can start cooking, and they absolutely are. All right, let's get to a couple more here for who won the week. I want to talk about Aaron Jones just really quick because – he was fun as hell today. I mean, obviously the numbers are great. He scored three touchdowns, you know, 236 yards from scrimmage. If he's on your fantasy team, you're in a good mood. <laughs> but I love some of the ways that they're trying to use him. One of the things they do, they love pitching the ball back to him and kind of giving him a runway, which I think really speaks to his skill set. I think it allows him to kind of work in space. They also have not been afraid to use him vertically as a receiver. He made a ridiculous catch today. So when you're, he was the best player on the field for green Bay today. And I thought that when, I mean, Rogers wasn't necessarily playing bad. And when you can have a running back be that valuable, and I'm not, I don't want to have this be like a, well, let's make fun of the Packers, you know, off season thing again, but I'm asking you gen, like genuinely, what do you think the thought process for, is for using a second round pick on a running back when you have a guy that is not a cog that you're scheming stuff up for and it is a centerpiece type player for your offense and you have a guy in Jamal Williams who's pretty good. Is it worth drafting a guy in the second round just because you're not sure if you want to pay Aaron Jones for next year? It, it just feels like they outsmarted themselves here. Yeah. That the last sentence was actually basically what I was going to say. They outsmarted themselves. They thought they're trying to be two teams at the same time, just like as we said in the preview, where it's like they're they want to think in the, ahead in the future terms, but they also want to win right now. And that's really hard to juggle two balls. And really, that's not a position you do that at. You do that at O line. You do that at D line. You do that at corner. Exactly. Where you let these guys sit maybe at your premium positions, not running back when you already have a legit stud like a stud stud guy not just like a pretty good back if oh we you can think maybe he's replaceable there. fine if he's a drop it in yeah. well he can get what we're gonna put in front of him that's fine but he's not that and it's it's clear that he's not that from the way they're trying to use him it's if they saw him in a different way then maybe okay you know they don't think he's that good whatever but they clearly think that he is a weapon in high leverage situations. And if you think that, I just don't understand distributing your resources that way. I don't either. And honestly, I think some of it stems, and this is just a little theory I've kicked around, is that he was poor in pass protection last year. Yeah. You know, my coaches are going to harp in on that. And then they're just like, fine, we're going to find somebody that will do it. And that's like that's like my one little thought like that's in the back of my head is like, there are, oh, we want somebody that's a complete back. But guess what? Aaron Jones might not be able to pass protect, but he can do a lot of other things really, really well. A couple more I want to hit here. I, I, let's just – we can do this quickly. The Ravens defense. You know, we talk about Lamar all the time. Lamar was fantastic last week. I was so impressed with how the Ravens contain the Texans today. I love when teams – their identity is distilled – and they take advantage of the skills that they have, and they really know what they want to be. And the Ravens are essentially line up and say, we trust our guys to cover the guys that you have, and we're going to use limited resources on the back end and come after you. 
with our front seven. They are not afraid to send extra bodies. They were sending Elliott a lot today to kind of make Deshaun uncomfortable. And they do such a good job. They end up with four sacks, 13 quarterback hits, and they have playmakers. You know, the fact that I, and we both love the play that Marcus Peters made, that's just a guy making a play. He, They were in man coverage. Randall Cobb ran into the flat. He stopped. So Marcus Peters pretty much said, we know he's stopping. I'm going to fall off. He makes a great pick. The Marlon Humphrey strip on the touchdown that they scored, his reaction, that's when you know that a defense is feeling it. When you, their guys are trying to create turnovers and trying to make plays and trying to score touchdowns, I know what that looks like. I've watched a lot of Bears football in my life. It, <laughs> it feels like the Ravens defense is there right now. It's not just about getting stops. They're trying to take the ball away. And it's almost like, and this is just a pet theory, They have there's such faith in their offense that it almost allows you to play a little bit looser and free around the defensive end because you can take chances. You don't have to win games 17 to 14, so you can just kind of build your defense with playmakers that are going to try to make game-swinging plays. When you watched them like last week too, you know, the some of the pressures they brought to, they they got the one on, they got Baker. They have Clyde Campbell backing up there. <laughs> you know, and they're attacking these these protections that these defenses have, what Wink Martindale's drawing up. And they can do that because their corners are so good. And they they got Matt Judon paid because they kept all these pressures. Well, guess what? They get a decent pass rusher against tight ends and running backs. They're getting a legit dude and they're creating these matchups. And they're creating chaos. And, oh, this is what we also talked about last week, too, was when you're building a defense this way with an offense like they have, they can go on these runs, just like what we yep. were saying with the basketball team. They go on these runs, and all of a sudden, it's like out of nowhere, it's they just scored 14 points on you, and they have the ball again. And it's like, whoa, we were, weren't we just ahead three? And, you know, it's like all of a sudden you just <laughs> – yeah, it's all of a sudden it's like boom, boom. And, like, if you're watching Red Zone, you're like – and all of a sudden the next time you see the game, you're like, wait a sec, wasn't it the score just 7-7? Seven, seven? And all of a sudden now they're up 24-7. You know, that's that's what these – what the Chiefs are trying to do and what I think the Ravens are trying to do. They're just trying to be aggressive as hell, create these turnovers, and and just get the ball back for Lamar and, and try and win these games. I want to go back and watch it. I assume this is true, but I'd have to actually, you know, look at the film. I bet on especially defined passing situations. So every third down, uh, I would assume that over the course of a game, their four guys up front either either line up in different spots or end up in different gaps on essentially every single pass play. Judon was doing a ton of crashing inside. They were doing a ton of looping, a lot of blitzing. They are so varied in the way that they can bring pressure, and they can do that because of how much they trust the guys on the back end. Again, it is a cohesive vision for what they want to be, and that's what makes them so dangerous on both sides of the ball. One more guy here that I want to hit. I, I want to talk about Kyler Murray just for a bit because I do think that he arguably is one of the guys who won the week, but I want to just throw cold water on this a little bit because he played well. There were some splash plays. I mean, the throw to Isabella was great. The throw to Kirk down the right sideline was great. In my opinion, it feels like their offense is firmly in the exciting but unreliable stage. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I, I would say that is fair. I would say that maybe when they play these better defenses that maybe know what they're trying to do as opposed to maybe just putting all the stuff together like the what like Washington's trying to do as a whole team right now. And I think that's fair. I think they're very exciting. They're very unique. So every week we're going to want to watch them. 
but I think they're going to have some weeks where it's going to be ugly and they can't move the ball or they can't convert on third down. And I think that's going to be one of those weaknesses that will crop up against some of these teams that know how to blitz them and know what they're trying to do. Like right now, they they build so many in their passing game. The run game stuff is really fun, and that it's unlocked because of Kyler. That first touchdown he had, it was a fake uh, shovel pass that they sweeped around and had the running back lead block for him. It was so cool, and it was in the red zone. That's the stuff you can do when you have a guy like Kyler. But when you get into the passing game, they're doing a lot of quick game, but they're doing a lot of these three-by-one concepts where they have three eligible receivers on one side and DeAndre Hopkins on the other. So they're building these isolations. And we, we were talking earlier, it's almost like a pick and roll. Like they, they run the pick and roll with DeAndre Hopkins and the other three guys are like how the Rockets have it, where it's like, they're okay, Kyler can kick it out to them if he's reading it right. But I think what happens when you get to that, when you got maybe an even matchup with DeAndre and the corner that's playing him, and can the other three make a play for you? And they did that a little bit today. Isabella deep ball, uh, uh, they had the deep ball to Kirk as well. That was a gorgeous throw. It was amazing. Okay. Throw. It was, and but are those? Is that going to be sustainable against a team that's really going to sit on their stuff? They're not running crazy concepts. They're running snag, basic concepts that defenses have seen. So maybe they get to a team that is anticipating on those, sitting on those, like the Saints were last year. So I think that going back to your original point, I think that is very fair to say is that they're exciting, they're fun, they're creative, they change stuff up every week. But I think there's going to be some weeks where they maybe maybe have a rough go of it, especially on uh, on money downs, third downs, and red zone opportunities. It does feel like, and I hate to make two basketball metaphors here, but it does feel like they're kind of an NBA jam team where it's DeAndre and Kyler Murray two-on-two against your guys, and their guys are better than your guys, so it's going to work out every once in a while. It's not dissimilar to kind of how I felt about the Texans' offense when Deshaun and DeAndre were there. It kind of had this similar feel to it where you're like, all right, let's roll the ball out, and our guys are just going to be able to out-talent your guys, and that's what they're doing right now. And some of it's fun. I love that... It was a little fake pitch to they pit uh it was a little reverse pivot pitch that he and then he hit uh, Arnold on the seam. It was like that's like a beautiful little play action concept. Like they do stuff like that where I'm like, "Man, that's cool." But I want to transition from saying, "Man, that's cool" to, "Man, they're scary." Because that's when you think about Russell Wilson today or Patrick Mahomes who we'll talk about in a second, it's just this feeling of inevitability where no matter what you throw at them, they're going to be able to kind of find a way to wiggle through it and get where they want to go. And I just don't have faith right now in the Cardinals' ability to kind of plow through the adversity and plow through the bad moments and say, it doesn't matter. We're going to be able to find the yards we need and find the plays we need because of the way we're structured and the quarterback that we have. And maybe he'll get there. I think that he's going to be a good player, but right now I just don't have that feel with them. Yeah, we said it last week. It's a little bit of Kyler go do something, and right now that's fine. But you know, it's it's a long season. That's a lot of hits. <laughs> that's you know, that's a lot of improv that he'll have to do. A lot, a lot of weight on a little guy's shoulders. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Last week is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and prepare for this week. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings is a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code MAZE, that's my last name, M-A-Y-S, 
For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week three action. Enter code MAZE to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code MAZE, M-A-Y-S, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, let's get to some of the lesser moments from the week here (laughs) with what just happened. The Chargers deciding to punt the ball to the Chiefs on fourth and one in overtime. What just happened to the Chargers? Uh, Don't we know this by now that you just can't do that with Patrick Mahomes? Every single time you leave the door open a crack, he is going to swing it wide open and make you pay. And I thought the Chargers played a nice game. We will talk about Herbert here in a second. But you just can't do that, especially when so many teams around the league the last two weeks have been rewarded by being aggressive in those moments. Yeah, and you, like you said, you're playing. They were playing a great game at, up until that point, and I mean, they did. They played a, a really good all around game. It's whoever's that those elite QBs are. You just want to keep the ball out of their hands as much as possible. And wouldn't you want to just bet on yourself and go rather than Mahomes, let yes. Mahomes get the ball and beat us? Let's us win the game or us just get this first down. And okay, but it was on us. It was our offense rather than okay, it's out of our hands now. Yeah, we got a talented defense that played out of their minds today. They match up so well against the Chiefs with their pass rush and the corners they have or the DBs they have and what they run. But it's like, all right. You're playing well. The Q, the rookie QB is actually, you know, he looks like he's stepping up a little bit. Let's trust it. Let's go for it. Screw it. It's a division win. This could be huge. And I don't know. I just, I just didn't like that. I, I, I thought. I think, I think afterwards the EPA was exactly the same. But then even the notes you can say is that doesn't account that you're punting the ball to Patrick they don't Mahomes, know Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes is on the other side. It, yes. It's, it's, it is the definition of playing not to Correct. lose. Because in your mind, when you make that decision, you say, oh, if we don't get it, we're going to lose. Not if we get it, we're going to win. Don't think about, oh, we're on our 30. Think about that you have a yard to gain. That That is the, it is a, a moment where there's probably some cognitive dissonance with coaches as they think about it, but it's just, we have to kind of recalibrate and redefine the way we think about those situations, especially when you have a guy like that on the other side. What were your impressions of Herbert? I mean, it was shocking that he was in there. I, I mean, obviously, we you know if people haven't heard, Tyra Taylor was having some chest pains before the game, so that it was a late scratch. I mean, when he was in there for the first snap, I was like, "What the hell just happened? Like, why is he in the game?" <laughs> and I, I mean, I don't know about you, I came away fairly impressed. I thought he played very well, considering he did not practice this week with the first team. He was thrown in there cold. I, I mean, I he he was thrown in there cold. I thought that there were definitely some moments from him today. Yeah, it, it was better. You know, watching him at Oregon, I watched him a little bit this spring, and they kind of kept it similar for him. They had some nakeds and screens for him to make it a little simpler and maybe get him on the move. But, I mean, the touchdown that uh, Tony Romo pointed out was pretty crazy. He hit the outside go versus cover three. Throw. Yeah, and the corner was flat-footed. But the thing is, probably the corner was probably flat-footed because the corner was going – there's no way in hell he's going to throw that ball. And he threw the ball. So I think it was one of those where it was like, you know, he he did the unexpected and that's what worked. He still has some accuracy issues. You know, he tries to kill a lot of throws. He'll sail that, you know, talking about Josh Allen and overstriding. Herbert has that a little bit to him too, where he's like, oh, I'm going to kill this and whip this in there. And then the ball, because he overstrides, his shoulder rises and the ball sails 10 yards over the guy's head. So I do think he still has a lot of mechanical stuff to work on, but 
he, do you think that's a tall quarterback thing? Absolutely. The fact that he, his limbs are so long? Yep. And, and tall quarterbacks. It's hard to play compact. Yes. And we talked about with Robert Quinn and the, and the long arms and stuff like that. It's just they have long levers. And these long limbs, a lot more can go wrong. It's, you know, think of it as a golfer too. You know, a, a taller golfer, you're like, oh, they can hit it further. But on their swing, so much more can get disjointed on their swing down. So just think of that too with a long quarterback is that the step could be too long. The step could be too short. You know, just there's too much gangliness that sometimes guys can't account for i knowing that as a six five guy that's that's how i'm gonna make that i'm gonna make that excuse and say that's an issue for all tall quarterbacks not just me uh but no but he did some he did some nice things i it still had some of the issues that he had at i saw at oregon but like you said no one knew he was starting until the national anthem or until you know <laughs> until the coin toss it was just it was insane i like all of a sudden i looked and i, I flipped the game on came on all of a sudden i just said oh they showed tyra taylor sitting on the bench and i was just like oh they benched him already wait the game hasn't even started so it's yeah uh, yeah not not bad for a guy that probably was expecting to be listening to the plays and writing some notes down today i was so impressed by the way that the chiefs kind of played late in that game uh, it wasn't their best game they you know they had a hard time dealing with the chargers front for a lot of that game Outside of the throws that Mahomes made, you know, the touchdown to Tyreek Hill, I, I went back and watched it it's again. Insanity. It's ridic- it was rid- It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just, it, it. he never stops. And just like the torque that he can create with his hips and with his torso, and it's it's almost just like, like a catapult, like the way that it all works. Just the... I, the mechanics of it are so hard for me to kind of comprehend. I mean, he just uses his arm like a whip. And to get that sort of power behind that throw was just crazy. He had a couple of really nice throws. The two-point conversion was just stupid. Yeah. I mean, like, it's – I don't even understand how you fit, think you can fit that ball in that space. But the thing that I was most impressed with him today was the work he did at the line of scrimmage in the fourth quarter and through overtime. The Chargers had four offside penalties in this game. And he really, I think, kind of came to understand in the second half that he needed to control the tempo with his cadence. They were doing a lot of going on two, a lot of him hard counting, not only to get guys off sides, but just to make Bosa uneasy because it felt like Bosa was playing with his hair on fire and making him think for that extra half count, I think really allowed them to kind of dictate the action down the stretch because he didn't feel like he was being pressured as often. Yeah, and just how the domino effect, the the how these things go, the counters to the counters to the counters and everything. Yeah, he starts using the cadence. They start chip helping because they're just getting their butts whipped. I mean, they the uh, Ingram and Bosa really took it to the Chiefs' line today. I mean, they really did, and they were really impressive. And but the Chiefs adjusted in the second half. They started chipping just like they did in the Super Bowl last year. They started helping with that, but like you said, with the cadence. And then what comes from that is what the Chargers started doing because all of a sudden they weren't getting the pass rush with four guys. They started blitzing. And that's where the third and 20 came from, where Mahomes ran for it. They blitz all those defenders who are, have to play with inside leverage because of how the play is designed, the defense is designed. They have all their backs turned to Mahomes. It's like a two-man play. And they always say you don't want to run two-man against a running quarterback. Mahomes can work from the pocket, but he can still ad-lib and run like this. Mahomes was quick. He saw all their backs turned. He took off and run and ran for it. And I thought that's what just kept happening was they were blitzing. Some guys weren't getting open, and he was just running for first downs, and he was just taking what they were giving to him. But that's what's so a weapon, what's such a weapon with a, a quarterback that can use their legs. 
but Mahomes is known as a running quarterback, which is that's just how good he is. Is that he does that extremely He's mobile enough? He baby. does extremely well uh, uh, ad libbing and being mobile, and no one even talks about it usually, unless you know we have the Super Bowl play or no, the playoff play where he's run down the sideline against the Texans. You know, but it's he's I mean he's something else. He's just always one step ahead, and he sees everything. I mean that first quarter was ugly for him, and it, in the fourth quarter you have no idea he throwing that ball to Tyreek Hill, both the feet are off the ground when he threw it. Just just insanity. All right, let's get to one more here. What just happened to the Vikings? I mean, they're 0-2. The Packers are 2-0, and and the Bears are 2-0, and I guess. I guess the Bears are also tied for the division lead. <laughs> Hooray. Which, God, that game today. I I swear to God, I really should. I tweeted this. I should just start taking up smoking cigarettes. I, I'm just, I need to chain smoke during these games in order to make them palatable. But so the Vikings, you know, go to 0-2 today, and they looked really bad doing it. You know, both of us picked this team to win the division. And I think there are other teams, you know, if the Cowboys go to 0-2, they can survive if they lost that game today because of the rest of the division. Now the Vikings are two games back. My question about them is, what do they do well? What can they rely on right now? Because I'm not sure there's an answer to that question. Their defense is not playing well. They got diced up again today, and they couldn't move the ball against the Colts defense that I thought played better than they did last week, but still isn't you know one of the more dominant groups in the league. So are you surprised by just kind of how rudderless the Vikings look, and do you feel like there are kind of answers to come here? Yeah, I think I, I'm still going to hold out hope they can improve, but I, you know, going with going with you, what you said, like the Kirk Cousins can't have those blackout bad moments that he has. That he seems to have every game, sometimes multiple. Like I think there's 50 seconds left in the half. He just bombs one up and throws a pick. And I get it. It's third and 10, and I get it. You're trying to let your guy make a play, but not before two minutes because they returned it, and the Colts were able to get a field goal. And then he threw another pick on a Hail Mary, but then he comes out in the second half, and he throws another interception. And what what has happened before when Cousins has those moments where he he's trying to do too much or just has those blackout in a bad way moments that the defense bails him out, gets the ball back, forces a three and out. You, we've seen it a million times. It's third nine. Zimmer brings a blitz on third down. Boom, they're punting, and offense got the ball right away. No harm, no foul. But he can't – They like you said, they have nothing they can rely on right now. They have no identity. They have no strength of the team right now. They are just – a little, a little rudderless at the moment. And I wouldn't say they didn't play inspired, uninspired or anything, but it's hard to see. You watch that team and you go, oh, we have to worry about this. I don't think you see that with the Vikings right now. I do still trust their coaches, but it wasn't a great performance today overall. I was impressed by a couple different things with the Colts. I thought that DeForest Buckner played well. Fantastic. I mean, just dropping him into that defense. I mean, he had a couple of kind of splash plays that you, know, you see the highlights him just knocking the shit out of people. But, I mean, there was one play. I think that safety, he kind of you know, got three guys came after him. He was taking up traffic, opening things up for other guys. I thought he was everywhere. Julian Blackman, their rookie safety, made a couple nice plays. I mean, he was somebody that was hurt during camp a little bit. I don't know if they what they really expected from him coming into the year that he may, uh, had the tip that led to the interception. I thought he was flying around. Darius Leonard was the same thing. So I thought the defense was really kind of playing downhill, you know, in a way you need to when you're playing that scheme. The other guy that jumped out for me, I'll, I mean, Jonathan Taylor had a nice game, but that was to be expected when he had a bigger role. 
Mo Ali Cox, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I we were joking about it earlier. He's a 270-pound tight end. Jack Doyle's hurt, so he's getting a, a bigger role. He made some ridiculous plays today, and he fits so well with the way that Rivers plays. It, it, it's We already laughed about it, but it's like that play, uh, it was a third down, and it looked like an Antonio Gates, Chargers, Rivers play, where it's just it's like a corner stop, but it basically turns into a basketball box out play it's like okay get get past the first down marker box out your guy and i'm gonna stick it on you and and i think you said just how even rivers his like demeanor on the play like gave you deja vu you're like oh that step up that river step up in the pocket where he's just like a little bit off balance yeah. throwing that corner out i i've seen him do it ten thousand times to antonio gates in my life yeah it just it, it felt comfortable watching him do that play exactly the way it happened yeah i was really impressed i mean they were using him in ways it's like just splitting him out. Yeah. I mean, he was running routes. He ran like a comeback yep. as the, as the single receiver isolated on the right side on one play. I was like, man, he's doing some stuff. I always thought he had some juice. I was actually joking about it with Stephen Holder during our AFC preview. I was talking about, man, I kind of like that guy. And I was definitely proven right today. I mean, he did a <laughs> lot of great. He was the best receiver. Yeah. I and mean, T.Y. Hilton dropped another touchdown. They lost Paris Campbell during this game. You know, Pittman did a couple of nice little things, but they really needed him today and he came through in the clutch. So we'll see what happens with the Colts. I still have faith in their ability to kind of figure it out. Nice convincing win today. I just think they're a solid team. You know, Rivers getting a little loose down in the red zone. He had that red zone pick today and then he had another one that was tipped that Pittman eventually caught. I just, that worries me a little bit. The fact that he's being so careless with the ball in that area of the field. But I, I this win, you know, again, it's not as if they squeaked by. They really took it to the Vikings who, you know, aren't a terrible team. So I I feel good about them. I think that they're going to be okay here moving forward. And one more thing I want to hit on before we get out of here, their loss last week looks a lot better when you consider <laughs> how Jacksonville played today. We're going a little long, so we're only going to have one odd and end before we get out of here. Let's talk about Gardner Minshew. I, be, I, you, I know you want to. What has stood out to you, and again today, him playing the way that he did, just about the command he's had of this offense? It's everything that happened last year. We saw those promising things, his pocket movement and how he progresses. Now we're seeing what Jay Gruden calling plays and designing plays, and Gardner is picking up like the back of his hand. There, the, the, He had a touchdown to John, James Robinson, who – also stood out who stood out these last couple of weeks like that he's a really fun rookie i if you haven't watched him yet i feel really bad for fun. making fun of james robinson i feel bad <laughs> i made i made fun of james robinson after the fournette trade i made a joke about people that invested in the jags backfield needing to seek help and i regret my joke and i was wrong about james robinson i'm more than willing to admit it Continue. at least it's early you got it you got it in quick uh but no but now at least i didn't pass on signing cam newton <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> victories where you can get them but no but uh, so like on this play like and this is just a perfect Garner Minshew has run this play mesh a million times probably at Wazoo at Washington State with Mike Leach and they uh they bring pressure on him uh, uh they bring pressure on him and he doesn't have Titans do doesn't even hesitate he throws this wheel route to James Robinson and puts it on the money 
And on top of it, James Robinson makes a nice play, but the hands in his face, but Gardner, if you want it on the replay of it, his face is just so calm. He's like, he knew he was going there and he knew he was going to have a, ha- a hand in his face. So he's a second year QB that knows protections already, which is astounding. He know he's a great scrambler. Last year, he led the league in scrambles and scramble attempts uh, on pass plays. And he was getting like eight, nine yards a pop on him. So he's a good scrambler. He knows what he is like. And it's, yeah, he is just a fun player because he's ruining their tank. I mean, he is the anti-tank commander. Yes. He's the anti-tank commander you, right now. You tank in the offseason. And I, I think that rolling with your six-round quarterback is good tanking. <laughs> Hiring Jay Gruden as your offensive coordinator is bad tanking. They should have just gone with Jason Garrett and just let it ride with somebody terrible. They hired too good of an offensive coordinator. There is no way. This team finishes with the worst record in the NFL no when the Jets exist. No, no, zero chance. I mean, that offense is so much fun to watch. I highly suggest looking at it, even just going on YouTube, watch the highlights. Because what they're doing is so creative. They got Levinsky Chenault back there. He he had like six or seven carries today. So they're just being creative with what they have. And it's just a lot of fun. DJ Chark's a great player. It's a fun offense. And it was so unexpected. I knew Jay Gruen was a good offense coordinator. His Bengals offenses were a lot of fun and really good teams. So, oh, yeah. Really and the Washington offenses Washington he had, for a some of years. them were really good. Yes. yes. Even when I he, always thought he was a great play caller. Really and is. I think my thought, and I, I still think this might happen. I wouldn't be at all. I mean, I would be a little bit surprised because if they have to bring in another quarterback or whatever, it wouldn't shock me if he is the head coach of that team next year. Oh, okay. That's spicy. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I if like they it. keep playing offense like this and you just kind of say, we need to start over, yeah. but we believe in what he can bring for us, that would not surprise me. And usually I think those choices are terrible. When you elevate as an assistant because they had a good showing for one year. But I think with his track record, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. Yeah. And also where his past head coaching experience was at, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, we'll give you yes. a mulligan on some of the stuff that happened there. Well, this we'll is just, not Adam Gase. Yeah. It's, it's a sliding scale. So it's a sliding scale. So it's like, we know what situation you were in there. You, you did, you did good there. Okay. We, it, we're not going to hold that against you how it ended up. One more thing before we get out of here. I, I, I want to revise something I said earlier. We should talk about the Falcons onside kick situation because I have seen the clip a couple more times since we've been recording. Have you watched it? As far as the guys staring at it like it's a punt? What what are they? Why aren't they going I have for no the idea. Ball? It, it, you know what it looked like? It looked like when there's a bunt down or something. Well, it's down, a punt. Yeah, down the third. Yes. No, no a bunt. Oh, like with a, a bunt. Like bu- uh, yes. With a B or a punt. Yeah, punt and bunt. But like down the third baseline and you have the catcher, the pitcher, and the third baseman just all staring at it like waiting for it to go over. That's what it looked like. And it just blows my mind that they just didn't box out one guy dove on it. How, how many guys they have around it? Four at one point? Like before the scrum started? It, it, yeah, that that was that was bonkers. And again, that's maybe it's this crazy kick style just threw him for a loop that they're like, oh my god, it's not, it's not a flutter ball like we're used to. They're expecting the pop up ball. So all of a sudden they get a sidewinder granny style bowling style, you know. <laughs> so I I, don't, I have no idea. But that the the I want to see what all these new onside kick styles are going to be because I think this is just gonna this is a scrape in the or uh, this is the first of a whole bunch of new styles that we're going to see this year. Ben Cutwicka is the special teams coordinator for the Falcons. He's having a rough day, and it's not going to get better tomorrow. I can tell you that right now. That is going to be a tough little film session that happens in Atlanta this week. Oh, and they have slow-mo available. That's just going to be even more brutal. So they can just count the inches as the ball's going. 
Going to be a bet, much better mood in Dallas and Seattle when they go back and look at things today. But it was a wild week, too, as we should come to expect at this point. Nate, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate you, buddy. I really enjoyed it. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Athletic Football Show. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Please go to theathletic.com slash football show for a special offer to subscribe to The Athletic. We will be back on Wednesday a very fun slate of guests for you. Until then, thanks a lot. Talk to you guys soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.